This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. There was an excellent in-depth article in the March issue of New Jersey Monthly Magazine that I, I want to discuss this morning. And in short, the article focused on the, on the growing and, well, quite frankly, devastating impact that club teams are having on local youth and rec programs in New Jersey. And in particular, how Little League and other nationally known baseball programs are really beginning to lose substantial numbers on a growing basis each year as more and more kids are now enrolling in club programs. Now, of course, this is nothing new. We've known about this trend for several years, but this article really did an especially good job of crystallizing what is happening and why. And I thought we discussed this uh, the shifty movement in youth sports this morning because, quite honestly, this is happening. This move from local rec programs to club teams happened not just in New Jersey, but it's happening in New York, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, and pretty much all over the country. And furthermore, it's not just happening with baseball, but with all youth sports, soccer, softball, lacrosse, you name it. Now, Joe Strupp is the, author, is the author of this article entitled Bases Empty. Joe is a freelance writer based over in Maplewood, New Jersey, and he joins me by phone this morning. Joe, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I am well, thank you. Um, Joe, as I just mentioned in my intro, this trend, this shift of kids leaving local youth or rec teams and signing up for, for club teams, many of them which are year-round commitments, and that's a part of the, part of the issue here, well, this has been taking place for several years now, but there are two, from my perspective, two significant developments. One is the age in which kids, uh, obviously kids who are spurred on by their parents, are doing this. And two, as the younger kids leave local uh, rec programs, those programs are now in danger of simply fading away as kids are beginning to specialize in one sport at a very tender age. So let's let's focus, for example, on baseball, because obviously in your article you talk a lot about baseball and club teams. It used to be that kids didn't start thinking about being on a club team until they had progressed through Little League Baseball in their town. Let's talk about age 11 or 12 or 13. And, and at that point, the kids who decided they wanted to step up their game, then they turned to club teams to play ball. But nowadays, young baseball players are making this move as early as ages eight or nine, and as a consequence, they tend to totally bypass Little League or, or Pony League or Ripken, other, other you know, nationally known programs. This is, this is a, a trend which is really now beginning to get more and more serious. And as you said in your article, this is, this is the way it's going. Right. This is something that it, it, it starts as, as young as eight or nine years old because a lot of these club teams 
are popping up everywhere. There are more and more of them. A lot of them are just out to make money. It doesn't mean they're not doing a positive job and, and teaching well, but there's, there's money to be made. There are parents who want their kids to start young with the uh, sometimes false promise that they'll get Division One scholarships or even professional uh, opportunities, and that just doesn't happen as often as some might think. And the uh, and they're popping up everywhere without real regulation either. And it's not just that there's year-round sports, uh, playing baseball, spring, summer, fall, winter clinics, um, but it also takes a toll on the on the on the uh, physical well-being of the players, yep. whether it's the arms and and other uh, uh, ability to to grow. Uh, and mature as any athlete, and they're also not playing other sports as much because they're focusing so much. But you're right; it is younger ages now. Where in the past it didn't get to be this early, but that's that's where there's opportunity both for the players and for the money-making club teams. Yeah, Joe, I think it's fair to say, as you just outlined, this has cascading uh, uh, effects uh, on, on young athletes. As you said, first of all, the kids are turning to specializing in one sport at a very early age, and it's very, very difficult to determine what, what sport is going to be your kid's uh, best sport when they're only eight or nine years old. It's a commitment for most of these club teams. They say, no, you don't come in for just one season. If you want to be in this club program, you got to do this all year round. And they always pretty much demand that, that their club program takes priority over any other sport your kid is playing. It is expensive. We'll get in that to later on in, in the hour. Uh, and, and the repetitive use injuries, the kids developing at an early age, if they're just playing one sport and going to the same drills and skills all year round, we've got lots and lots of orthopedic surgeons who say that's not a good thing to do. So all these things are happening very rapidly. I would say this, this started maybe 10, 15 years ago. But clearly, these are real concerns, uh, particularly at such a, a young and tender age. But the first impact, Joe, uh, and friends, we'll take your phone calls about this as well, because I know this affects all of you, is, uh, of course, our toll-free line is one 337 6666 That's brought to you by Mohegan Sun. A limited possibilities await you at Mohegan Sun. Plan your stay at mohegansun.com. Uh, the biggest impact, Joe, is the fact that all the local rec and youth league teams um, are now beginning to lose substantial enrollment numbers as kids are just saying, nah, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to go play in a club team. Right. Um, my son, he's 14 now. He's been playing since he was nine years old in, in local uh, South Orange and Maplewood yep. uh, leagues. They were telling me, Kate Schmidt, who's their uh, recreation director in South Orange, said uh, the 13-year age group is affected. They they can't field as many teams as they used to. They, sometimes they even have trouble in the summer teams where they have their own travel teams, which is not the same as a club team. It's the local town that goes and plays other towns. Uh, but she was saying that now 11- and 12-year-old teams are diminishing. There's just fewer players. Um, we also talked to some some uh, uh, some organizations and leagues in other towns that have diminished by hundreds in just the past five years or so. They would get many more players, and now they're just fewer, and that is affecting the lower-income people who maybe can't afford the thousands of dollars that go to the club teams, a couple hundred dollars, which is also a lot to start with. Um, many of them can barely afford that, and when there's not enough local teams to field, they can't afford the club teams, and they just lose out. And then the people who want to play, the players who want to play in those leagues, they lose out as well just because there aren't as many teams to play. Yeah, as I said, this has happened so rapidly yeah. uh, uh, that uh, it's hard to get ahead of all these changes. And as I said, there are cascading 
effects at all these levels. Uh, and well, first of all, let me just do one thing, Joe. Uh, let's, let's, let's define our terms here because uh, travel teams and club teams, relatively new concepts for a lot of uh, sports parents. Uh, a, a club team is, is, is an organization independent of any town or any school district, which basically uh, runs usually all year round programs in just one sport. So that is, if, if your kid wants to be a baseball player and they decided at an early age, I want to play in this club team, they're going to ask you to come in and play from September right through the, the rest of the year, uh, even during the wintertime, to, to work with their coaching staff and get instruction and so on and so forth. Uh, and you pay several thousand dollars to do that. Uh, again, that's independent. These programs are not licensed or regulated or overseen by any state or, or federal agency. It's pretty much uh, you're up to your own caveat emptor as a parent to find the best program for your son. Uh, travel teams, you just mentioned, Joe, more about the fact that a, if a team in, in a town, a local town, wants to put together, in effect, an all-star team of the best players uh, so they can play other all-star teams from other towns, that's more of a travel program, and it's usually more of a, of a seasonal uh, travel program as opposed to going all year round. Is that, is that safe to say? Right. When you, sometimes people throw around the term travel and club together. Mm-hmm. When you have to, yes, you have to be specific. A travel team is basically a team that, that goes out of their town to play other towns. Um, many of them come through the Cal Ripken or the Babe Ruth leagues, which are the two levels of, of that, that system. And there's, of course, the Little League organization, which has its own levels. But they are connected to the local town. Uh, there's residency requirements. There's age requirements. There's a lot of specifics that have to be followed. There's pitch counts and a lot of other things they follow. They will, in the summer, put together an all-star team of their town, of their league, and they will play other towns. The club team, on the other hand, is a travel team in essence, but they are drawing players sometimes not only from around the state, but from around the country in some of these teams. Um, that when you go outside of New Jersey, it gets very broad-based. And you're right, there's no regulation. There's no things like pitch counts. There's no residency requirements. Uh, some of these teams, and they are growing rapidly. One of the teams that we talked to is zoned baseball in Bridgewater. Um, they started in 2002 with just hitting and batting instruction, added cl- club teams five years ago. They grew from four club teams. This is according to their CEO, Duke Baxter. Grew from four club teams in 2012 to 18 in 20. I mean, that's that's a huge increase in just five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also said they don't really do that much recruiting as well. There are a lot of parents who want to get their players and their children into these teams with that promise that they're going to get scholarships, they're going to get uh, attention from pro scouts, etc., and, of course, do better in their high school teams. But the growth is huge, and the oversight is minimal, if, if any. And that's one of the things that one thing draws players because they can get a lot of competition, but it also is a concern because there's very little oversight and really very little assurance that safety is going to be a factor and uh, costs are going to be a factor. We're talking this morning with Joe Strupp. Uh, he's the author of a, of a fascinating article that ran in the March issue of New Jersey Monthly Magazine. And, and Joe, just to put this, bring us all home, uh, here's the reality of the situation. If you're a young sports parent and your youngster is uh, six, seven, eight years old, and you're, you look upon your kid and say, well, my kid looks like uh, he or she's going to be a, a promising young athlete and really likes to compete. So 
what do I do as as this is my first, say it's the first time through the cycle with a kid who wants to play sports? Do I put my my eight year old uh, in a club team situation and just play that one sport and maybe baseball, maybe soccer, whatever it might be, all year round and pay thousands of dollars? Or suppose my kid goes through you know a year or two of playing baseball and says, "Nah, I really want to play soccer." Well, now at age ten or eleven, are they too late to to, to to make that transition? There are a lot of really important decisions that parents have to make on behalf of their youngster long before the kid's even gotten close having a sense of where their true talent uh, may be when it comes to athletic competition, and long before they get close to being an adolescent as well. Uh, again, this is where we're going uh, in this country. Uh, and, of course, as, as Joe just mentioned, and, and I always bring this up, the travel programs, the club programs, they're not regulated or overseen by anybody. Uh, they are for-profit operations. A lot of them are very good. A lot of them are probably a little more fly-by-night. But it puts the pressure on the parent to try to figure all this out uh, in terms of their own youngster at a very, very young age, long before anybody can really make a determination about whether these programs are good, bad, or indifferent. And again, as Joe just mentioned, it's all about the promise, perhaps, of a college scholarship, uh, you know, many years down the road when a kid's only six or seven years old. It, it's, it's, it's a, as I said, it's devastating to put all this pressure on young parents and making decisions for the kids when they're so young. All right, let me let me take a pause. Uh, again, I'm going to take – we come back from uh, – Erica's here this morning. She has your update. When we come back from uh, from that break, we're going to take uh, for your phone calls at one 337 6666 Stay with me. Back with more after Erica. Welcome back to the Sports Edge, everyone. I'm talking this morning about the unprecedented drop in enrollment numbers for local youth sports programs, and it's all due to the rise and popularity of club teams uh, and we're going to take your calls in a second. My guest is Joe Strupp, who wrote a very long and very insightful piece about this this trend uh, in the March issue of uh, New Jersey Monthly Magazine. Uh, and Joe, let's let's go right to our callers at one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Let's start with Eric over in Morristown. Eric, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, guys. Uh, great show as usual. I'm affected by these issues that you brought up at the beginning of your show. My son is a triathlete, uh, baseball, traveling team, uh, soccer, and hockey, both club. Baseball, he was pitching, and he had some issues with his arms, so uh, he had to pull back on that. But the hockey and the soccer... He was being groomed by the hockey to pull him up. He was 10 years old at the time. He's 12 now. The hockey basically told him um, he's got to choose. And so he chose on his own the soccer. But both sports go all year round. Uh, It's a complete commitment financially in terms of dedication and time. Uh, Between those two sports, we were playing close to $7,000. They're both clubs. Um, and uh, the, 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 the soccer now, it's gotten to the point where you're, you almost have to keep up with the Joneses. It goes all year round. So in the summertime, we pull back. We, we travel to see my wife's family, and I have to, as a parent, step in and say enough because it, otherwise it just, it, it just keeps going on and on, and I don't want them to burn out. Um, I would prefer the way I grew up. Uh, eat, each season you get to try a sport. He wanted to try basketball, so we told him you can try rec. And and just as your guest Joe has mentioned, we saw at the rec level all the talent got 
got sucked up into these clubs because mm-hmm. uh, the difference between the club and the rec is is almost night and day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 I I what you just is saying. It's becoming a huge problem, and as a parent, there's pressure on us and. Um, you know, it's it, it, it's it's cottage industries that have cropped up, and you do. There are reputable organizations. Just as a parent, you have to ask around and be very careful. But uh, you can get a great experience, but it, it's very well, intense for a young person to Eric, have to deal with all this. Yeah, I mean, you 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 are Exhibit A, and 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 thanks for the call this morning. And and, and the fact is, Joe. That's that's what we're talking about. Here's a here's a dad who's saying my kid is a talented all round athlete and wants to participate in a variety of sports season by season, but he's had to decide at an early age of 10 or 11, well, are you going to play soccer all year round? Or are you going to play hockey all year round or whatever? Uh, I, I'm not really quite sure why this is why we've gotten to this point. I mean, if, if parents would just say to the club teams, no, my kid really enjoys playing for your club program, but you're not going to get him for the entire year. He's just going to play for a season-by-season basis. I mean, that would seem to be at least a step in the right direction and would also get away or would you know, would pretty much help to protect a kid from burning out in one sport and also to stay away from repetitive use injuries. But again, we don't see this kind of balance taking place. Right, and it's part of that that lure, the lure of uh, greatness down the line. Yeah. Whether it's scholarship or or potential, even you know, a pro uh, level play. But yeah, my son, like I said, he plays baseball, but he also plays soccer. So he could not connect, hook up with a club team, and do the year round. And frankly, he really didn't want to. We didn't want him to. But there are a lot of players who want to do that. And then you get to a certain age, and if you're not involved in a club team, then you can't really. Uh, uh, mix it up and 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 really f- play it all in some of these organizations if you're not devoting it and a lot of people do want to play year round uh, or want to play different sports year round whether it's soccer lacrosse baseball basketball and and hockey as he mentioned on on his uh, son but also the the level of impact it has we talked to uh, an orthopedic surgeon who said there was higher incidence and also the Rutgers University Youth Sports Research Council had data that also said the overuse injuries are a real problem at this level yeah and again if, if your kid grows up and says all I want to play is one sport I just want to play I don't care about anything except soccer uh, I don't I'm not interested in any other sport I just want to play soccer all year round well fine then your a club team is perfect for your youngster but most kids, I don't think, grow up that way. If they're, if your kid's a good natural athlete, they're going to want to play soccer, baseball, hockey, uh, lacrosse, all these things. And it's just the way the landscape is changing, it's just going to be very difficult. Uh, there's just not enough hours in the day uh, or enough people with deep pockets to, to allow these kids to do that. And, that's- and a lot of the professional baseball players have been interviewed in recent years, and to a to to a man, they almost all agree they played uh, year round. They play or they played different sports year round. Uh, Dave Winfield, who was on the Yankees and the Padres, of course, he was drafted in three sports uh, coming out of high school: basketball, football, and baseball. Of course, he went into baseball. And uh, I see a lot of athletes interviewed today, major league players, who say, "Yeah, they played many different sports," and they would urge children today to do the same thing. I, they I, don't want them to specialize. Yeah. And those are the pros talking on that one. I was just going to say, Joe, if you talk to to top professional athletes today, they were so gifted that uh, it didn't make any difference what sport or what, uh, you know, what what season it was. 
But everything they picked up, that came to them naturally. And that's what I think a lot of parents don't understand, that if your ultimate goal is to have your kid go on to become a professional athlete, they have to be such uh, so talented and, and such light years ahead of everybody else in their peer group that they can go out and just uh, not have to specialize. But it's hard because, uh, as our last caller said, there's a lot of trying to keep up with the Joneses, and, and, and the, the, the parents feel like this is the only and best way I can guarantee my kid gets a, a chance to, to, uh, to, to get a, an edge on the competition. Let's, let's go back to our calls. Let's go to, um, let's go to Jack uh, over in Farallon. Jack, good morning. You're on the fan. Hi, Rick. How are you? Good, Jack. Great, great show, great topic, and, God, you can go so many different ways here. You know, as you know, Rick, uh, you and I have talked, and uh, I love the show, and um, I've coached for over 40 years. I started coaching in the mid-'70s, mm-hmm. and I've been, I've been a hitting instructor, and one of my services that I provide for my hitters is that I also recruit. I had two sons that were great athletes. One went on to play eight years of pro baseball, so I learned a little bit about what coaches look for in recruiting. Today, when you call about recruiting a player, a softball player or a baseball player, actually the first question that the coaches ask is not what are their SAT scores or what grade point average do they have. They say, what club are they playing for? Yeah. And one of those reasons is, is that that's when they can recruit, mm-hmm. you know, during the club seasons, during the baseball high school seasons. You know, they can't recruit at that time unless they send a coach, take them away from this program, send them out to watch them play. I mean, it's, you know, it's a crazy thing. The key to today's clubs, and there are pros and minuses to this, the keys are you got to pick a good club. It's almost like picking a wife, really. You better pick the right one. You better pick something that has instruction. It's not all about the money. The good thing about the clubs is that a lot of these clubs are hiring coaches that have had experience at the higher levels, college level, and the pro levels, and they're teaching basically the right things. A lot of these, a lot of these town travel teams, especially up here in North Jersey, they book games against those club teams. They usually get murdered in them, but they're trying to develop that club atmosphere. And sometimes it just doesn't work when you have fathers who are volunteering their times, who really don't have the experience of, of the coaching and what's being taught today at the highest level, you know, it, it, it gets sticky. And then one more, t- one more thing I'd like to say, and there's a thousand things I'd like to say, but <laughs> I, want to give you some, I want to give you some time for other callers. Um, these guys that you talked about, those pros that played at, at three different sports, yep. okay? We call coaches at the higher level call those guys the exceptions to the rule. Yep. Sooner or later, a kid who wants to get to that next level, maybe high school varsity or college or even pro ball, you have to start specializing. And that's sad, because, but at the younger ages, you better be playing as many sports as you possibly can and as often as you can. And, Rick, once again, thank you so much. The show Jack, is great. I love it. So. Jack, thanks as always for your insight. Uh, greatly appreciated. Thanks, Jack. You know, and, and, and to Jack's point, Joe, yeah, I mean, what we've now we've now evolved for better or for worse, as he was saying, but when when college coaches come around, they don't necessarily ask what what the kids' grades are or SATs are or whether they went to high school. They're more asking about well, what club team does he or she play on? Because that for the the college coach who recruits uh, they have a sense, well, at least if he's on the, on the top club team, that's going to help guarantee the kid's got some ability. Uh, it, it's, it's, again, 
uh, I don't think people could have foresaw this, you know, 15 years ago, but that's what's happening now, and that's how, how uh, youth sports has evolved. And, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, uh, it's just very, very difficult for parents, sports parents, coming through this for the first time to try and pick and choose the best club teams. Uh, and, again, why they have to make a commitment uh, for 12 months of the year, that's sort of – I don't get that. Um, it, it's bizarre. Right, and another thing he mentioned briefly was these showcases that a lot of these teams have. Uh, I think the big one in New Jersey is Diamond Nation in Flemington. Mm -hmm. They have a huge facility, a lot of fields. They go back 20 years when they first started as a batting cage training outfit, and they have, uh, they have club teams. They also have these showcases where players come. They pay for the right to, to basically try out in front of college coaches, pro uh, scouts, the whole litany, and you get them all in one spot, and that's very tempting. Yeah, and I, um, I, the showcase situation, that's also uh, complicated as well. And I've, yes. I've talked many times on the show because my own son went through showcases. Some showcases are great, premier. Some are not so good. And, as again, it's all caveat emptor because you don't know as a parent when you go to a showcase, oh, we're going to have 80 coaches there uh, to evaluate your son. And then you get there, there's only like three and you, these are expensive operations. It's very, very difficult to get to know which ones are the more reputable ones and which ones are not so. Uh, but again, it's all part of this whole club mentality. Let's go quickly to another call. Let's go to um, to Tom and uh, and Brick. Tom, good morning. You're on the fan. Brick, I'll make it short and sweet. Yep. The problem is greed. We are not a country of we. We are a country of I. And it's filtered all the way down to youth sports. Thank you. Okay, Tom. Well, look, let's be honest, and Tom's got a good point. Uh, we, we, uh, United States of America is based upon capitalism. We're a capitalist country, and people are always trying to be entrepreneurial. That's all good. And yes, Joe, we know that these these club programs are for profit. Um, and uh, people are saying, look, I'm going to provide a service for your son or your daughter, whether it's in baseball, softball, whatever it might be. And nobody's holding a gun to your head. But if you like to have your kid be coached and get more attention and play uh, more competitive sports, this is going to cost you several thousand dollars. Now, the reason this is important is because in recent years, more and more people in this country have said, well, youth sports is now now becoming more of a, of a have versus have not situation. And they look right at club sports because not everybody does have two, three thousand uh, dollars to spend on their kid, and that's that does not include the travel to away games or away tournaments or showcases. Right, and I don't want to paint them all with the same brush. There are some that are nonprofit, as we mentioned in the in the story, and there are some positive ones that that really do uh, offer uh, legitimate help, legitimate support, not just grinding uh, the players through and promising nothing. Um, and a lot of them don't want players who don't have promise. They won't all, you know, say that, oh, your, your, your player is going to be the best ever. He's going to get a scholarship, even if he isn't, because they want teams that are successful as well, to be fair. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It, one of the keys is you have to look and, and sort of do your own research and your own uh, uh, checks and balances. I talked to parents who went through several club teams before they found one that they liked, even though the one they liked was still very expensive. And they had some, some, some horror stories of coaches that weren't trying, coaches that were promising them the moon. And if you go on a lot of the websites of these club teams, the first thing you see is 
the list of players that have gone on to Division One, the list of professional players who maybe played through their league or through their club, but some who maybe, you know, as they say in baseball, had a cup of coffee, uh, came to one event, and they put their name and their face up to promise. And that, that gets a lot on the parents to start thinking, oh, my my player can do this as well. So there really is a waiting through, and there's really no kind of uh, repository of information or nope. clearinghouse nope. to really see which ones are good and which ones are not. Joe, uh, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, and again, I, I, I use the term caveat emptor, you know, buyer beware. Uh, parents, this this is going to put a lot of pressure on you to do your homework. As Joe mentions, you got to check out the websites. But understand websites are written and presented in such a way to make the club teams look very promising. They're obviously trying to lure you in uh, so that you'll enroll your son or daughter in that in that for-profit operation. It, and again, there are a lot of wonderful club teams. We know that. But other ones are not so good. And we keep hearing stories of, of parents, as Joe just said, changing from one to the next to the next. And it, it's a really arduous and a very emotional process. All right, Joe, let me, let me take a time out uh, here. When I come back after Erica's update, we'll continue with our phone calls. Stay with me. And indeed, uh, Ed Randall will be here in a few minutes, 9 o'clock, and he'll be talking baseball. I, I do want to take a, a moment uh, this morning to reflect upon the, the tragic deaths of the Humboldt Broncos hockey team. Now, this is every parent's worst nightmare. There are Quite simply, no words to capture the, the grief and pain that those families are suffering. Uh, it, it's just horrible. Uh, and and uh, the only thing I, I'm somewhat heartened uh, to read is that as of this morning on the, uh, the GoFundMe page for the Humboldt Broncos, more than $2.3 million has been raised to help these families uh, get through this incredibly difficult time. Okay, moving on. Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed. It's very gratifying to, to me to see the book continue to sell well. Uh, plus, it's in lots and lots of great feedback from readers and coaches and sports parents. I just really wanted to thank you all. Uh, in fact, the best part is that the readers have enjoyed how prescriptive uh, my book is, and that makes me feel very good. Uh, my guest this morning is Joe Strupp, uh, who wrote a terrific piece uh, in New Jersey Monthly Magazine about the impact that club teams are having on youth sports. It's totally rewritten the entire map when it comes to kids and sports today. And uh, we're taking your calls at one 337 6666 Let's go up to Joe in Connecticut. Joe, good morning. You're on the fan. Oh, great show. I listen every week. I really appreciate the show. Thank you, Joe. Um, well, we've been down this road a couple of times. My niece family members and everything. They love playing ball with their friends, rec ball, little league, girls faster. The problem is the leagues are there for themselves. Adults are the biggest liars. Oh, let's do it for the kids. We have so many parents in communities we've been in before that took the kids off the field at 90 minutes because after 90 minutes, 9, 10, 11, 12, even 13-year-olds lose interest. They're playing this unlimited foolish inning. Like, for example, they'll, they'll score four runs per inning. Then let's play an inning. And it goes on forever, no matter what the umpires do or anything. And the kids get bored. We've had so many people take their kids or out of these baseball and softball, which are great sports, don't want to do it anymore. My, my, my nephew... Now wants to play soccer. An hour, it's done. Other things, an hour, 
an hour and a half, it's done. So, How Joe, your your concern is your concern is that particularly with baseball and softball, the the games are endless because the 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 kids keep scoring. Is that that the concern is for you? Yeah, well, they play this unlimited inning. Some leagues they don't just stop. Ninety minutes games over. Everybody goes home. Yeah, the kids have a great time. And now parents look for these other options. Because the kids are pretty good ball players, and they get hooked onto some of these travel things and the big money thing, and that's one of the reasons why the sport is losing so many kids at a younger level, and then the Babe Ruth level. It's kind of like a spinoff on what you're talking about today. Yeah. And then parents are trapped, and they don't have the money, and the kids still want to play, but it's no well, fun because of rec leagues. Well, that's that. Look. Rec leagues have their own issues, Joe, and thank you for the call this morning. Uh, rec leagues have their own issues, and, and we're aware of that, but the way it's going, the rec leagues are going to fade away because there's no way they're going to be able to compete with the expansive growth of, of club teams, and that's obviously what we're discussing this morning. Let's yeah, and I think on. there's, there's plenty, of, uh, plenty of interest, uh, but he does raise an interesting thing about the local teams. Sometimes when you have coaches or parents who either don't have a lot of the fundamental coaching ability or want to favor certain players, some other players get miffed by that and say, look, we're not getting a real chance at this level. We want to go to the club team where we have an option. That's, that right. does occur in some places. So, uh, Joe, no question, no question about that. And as I said, I think that's what parents, that in many cases, that serves as an impetus for parents to say, you know what, this is not, this is not particularly well run or it's not well coached. Uh, I'm just going to take my kid and put him on a club team, and, and I'm going to walk away from the, the local rec team. Uh, and that's that's one reason why we see the numbers dropping uh, so much with Little League Baseball, because parents saying, eh, it's not that good a brand of baseball. My kid's going to be a good ball player. I think the kid could someday go and get a scholarship. I'll put them on a, on a better club team and just walk away from Little League. Right, and another thing that comes up also uh, quickly I want to say is that a lot of kids get burned out at these young ages. Mm -hmm. You're 8, 9, 10 years old, you're playing baseball year-round. It takes a physical toll, it takes an emotional toll. And maybe you have a player who could be really good in their high school, college years, even professional, and by uh, t 10 or 11 years old, they're burned out and they want to do something else, or in some cases don't even want to deal with something on the field. They want to get into other interests. There's a danger of that burnout factor, I think. It also can happen on the parents, too. No, there's, there's, there are a lot of potential uh, pitfalls here, burnout being one of them. And if a kid gets to be, as you said, Joe, by the time they're 10, 11, say, you know, I'm doing this sport all year round. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm, I'm <clears> tired of it. I'm going to do something else. Well, it's very hard at that point to transfer your skills from, say, baseball to soccer or to ice hockey because other kids have been, have been specializing in those years while you were playing just baseball. It, it's, it's a very, very difficult kind of slippery slope uh, to have to deal with. Let's, uh, let's go back to our callers. Let's go to our friend Ed over to Elizabeth. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How you doing? Good, Ed. Good. I'm on my way up to Albany to watch some college baseball in freezing weather. Oh, God. Right now. <laughs> so, but, but into your point, uh, both of you, when you were talking, I bet certain travel organizations used the word promised Division One scholarships. Yes, sir. At a point... The point I'm trying to bring up as a former college coach and coach travel baseball, how can these organizations guarantee that? The term that they should use is we, we can give you an opportunity to, to play in front of college and major league scouts. It's up to your performance for these colleges to show interest in you. I mean, these people are telling these parents this. They get brainwashed. And what does that mean? That these organizations are making money off of this. Mm -hmm. and another thing I want to bring up. Went to, went to workouts. A lot of 
of the organizations that went to workouts want the high school players to be there. Mm-hmm. But the high school teams are having winter workouts. So there are some organizations. And I, I, I think we lost you. Yeah, I think we lost Ed somewhere in the, in the, the northern hinterlands on his way to Albany. Uh, I can't imagine watching a college baseball game today uh, with the temperature being so chilly, and he's heading north. But his point is always well taken, Joe. The fact is that, yeah, there are. we even mentioned this today, there are conflicts, obviously, with club teams, especially with winter workouts with baseball, and, and high school teams who want the same thing. And the kid is caught in the middle because the kid has to decide, well, do I show my allegiance to the club team, which demands allegiance, or do I show it to the high school team? It's, it's again, one of these sticky widgets that, that, wickets that people can't, it's hard to figure out how to, what, what to do, what's the right way to handle this. Right, and at the youth level they have it too because you have some players who still try to play in the town team uh, and then also on a club team. In fact, in Maplewood South Orange, they instituted a rule not too long ago that if you don't play on the spring rec team, you cannot play on the summer travel team for that for our town, which oh. makes sense because a lot of they want players to be able to be available. And also, when you play in the club team in the spring and also on the town team, the town team is having conflicts with the club team. They don't know when you last pitched. They don't know when your pitch count is. They don't know when you're playing. They, they have enough trouble deciding when their players are able to pitch with the pitch counts and the, and the schedule to bring in a player. Oh, he played over the weekend in a tournament. Yep. How much did he pitch or play? Can I even use him? And that's why that's sort of weeding itself out. But it also forces that choice to be made by the players more. I can't play on both. I have to pick one, and I also have to specialize in the position I play. Joe Strupp, uh, you know, as I said, this this article you wrote in the New Jersey Monthly really pinpointed all these issues that, as I said a few minutes ago, just seem to cascade uh, in so many different uh, ways that it's almost impossible for any uh, sports parent these days to figure out what's the right path for their son or daughter. Uh, again, we talked primarily today about baseball. But it's all different youth sports, and as club teams proliferate and they basically have a, a, a huge impact on, on local uh, rec teams, uh, and that's only going to continue. And again, this happens all over the country, and as we've uh, heard today, there are all sorts of issues that keep cropping up, whether it's the expense, the time commitment, the, the all year round, the repetitive use injuries. You just mentioned before about, uh, you know, how do you keep track of pitch counts? I mean, it's uh, uh, the burnout issues. This is all uncharted territory, and yet it's not going away. If anything, it's becoming more and more popular. Uh, it's very difficult to get a handle on what's going to happen next. But uh, it may be at some point, and I've been campaigning on this for years, that we get, need to get some governmental or, or state oversight of what's going on here because it really seems to be a free-for-all, sort of like a Wild West kind of mentality. Yeah, so that would be something maybe the next step is having them kind of oversight uh, in the New Jersey. They, it's, there's so much of it, and at, at all sports. Yeah. At, I mentioned lacrosse, soccer, it's, uh, it's basketball. Ev- it's, 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 it's everywhere. everywhere. It's yeah. everywhere. Hey, Joe, listen, uh, my, my time is short. I just want to thank you again. It's a terrific piece, and I ur- urge anybody who has going through this uh, with, with young kids in sports, check out the March issue of New Jersey Monthly Magazine. It's, it's, uh, the, the piece is entitled Bases Empty, and Joe Strupp, you did a fine job in reporting what's going on. And I thank you for coming up this morning and spending some time with me on the show. Thank you very much. And it's still at uh, njmonthly.com if people want to read it online. But Perfect. I appreciate it very much, the attention you're giving. Great. Joe, thanks again. 
talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. Take care. Okay, we're going to take a quick time out. I'll be back with more comments. Stay with me. Big Wolf Sports Radio 1019 FM The Fan and Sports Radio 66 WFAN A uh, very spirited conversation this morning about uh, the impact that club teams are having, and I wish I had more time to take more of your calls, but uh, before I I go off the air this morning. I, here, here's a question I, I want to ask, and this is the part I don't understand. If today's kids are so gung-ho on, on playing baseball and, and being on a club team at a very early age, why is it that we, have, we now see so few adult baseball programs? That is, after the kids go through club teams, then high school and uh, maybe even college or pro ball, well, why don't they continue to play the game into their 20s and early 30s? I mean, sure, a case can be made that there are now more distractions uh, as you get older, but if you're a diehard baseball guy, and if you really love the game from the time you were a kid, then, then why, do you, why do you stop playing in your 20s? I mean, to me, the first question I would ask is, well, do you really, really love the game, or did you play it all those years as a kid just to please your parents in the hopes that maybe someday you might get a college scholarship or might get a chance to play pro ball. But at the end, if those things, when those things come to an end, you didn't love the game that much because you're no longer playing it. I mean, I don't have an answer for this, but it makes me wonder because I come from a generation, an era where, yeah, if you, you played baseball as a kid, you loved playing ball through high school and college and pro banks, and when you got to be your 20s, you want to keep playing. You want to keep playing in the Westchester Baseball Association or the Stanford Twilight League or the Long Island Baseball Conference. Uh, but all those leagues are pretty much drying up and they're gone because none of those kids who are playing club teams seem to be going on to play into their 20s. Something here doesn't make sense, and I always wonder about just how much fun and passion our kids today who are playing youth ball and, and club teams, how much they're really enjoying and loving the game. That, that's a real concern for me. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Anthony Gallo. Please stick around for Ed Randall. He is up next. I'll see you next week right here on the Sports Edge. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.